Well, this morning, the title, of my, the title of the message is, Why Does Jesus Call Us Friends? Why Does Jesus Call Us Friends? Now, maybe we remember the song in the hymnal, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Um, but, you know, we're talking about why would Jesus call us friends? We call him a friend, but, uh, well, we know he would like to have friends be first be friendly. But the, the implication here, the understanding is Jesus calls us his friend. We are his friend. So the question is, is it true? <laughs> is it true that we are the friend of God and that God is our friend? So it's important for me to call him friend, and, um, and it, you know, most of the time we think of it, well, we're his followers or we're his believers, but are we his friend? You know, there are many people who, uh, you know, I have many friends. <laughs> well, how many people do you call a friend? You know, good friends, they're very difficult to come by, and, uh, but we find that God has a way of calling us. In, J- in John 15, 15, he says, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So that being a foundational text, uh, as we, we look at this, we find that he is calling us friend. A servant that he is referring to here, or that is referred to here, is a slave. A slave doesn't know what the master's, what the master's plan is. A slave just obeys. Well, we find that that is not what Jesus is implicating here or what he is trying to to get across about slavery. He's talking about friendship. Now, can you imagine it's A.D. 25, all right? And so you are the reporter, and you've heard of this. uh, No one has heard of this Jesus of Nazareth, so you're going to go there to find out exactly who he is. And you're going to interview people who may know. So the first person you interview is John, the fisherman. All right? Um, You question him about the things about religion, the things about faith. John, what does it mean to take someone uh, and, and to have them have the blessings of Abraham? Well, John's answer, it'll be centered around faithfulness about the law, and about the things of the Old Testament, because that's what he knows. So there will likely be some elements of faith, perhaps what we've learned in Proverbs. Proverbs 3.3, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the table, table of your heart. So then we also have in uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So we find that these are contextual verses that are seen in the Old Testament, and and this whole idea is that what Jesus is going to tell us here in chapter 15 is totally foreign to what their belief and what their understanding of religion is. So at the end of the day... John's basic understanding of his religion or of his faith is that they inherit the blessing of Abraham. Their religion and their relationship with God is inherited. You know, I'm born of a Jewish family. I am a descendant of Abraham. 
Therefore, what I have of God is inherited. And their identity, they are identified as the people of God because of their inheritance. So, when Jesus is telling them here in John chapter 15, we've, you know, look at this, and we're going to read through chapter 15, verse, beginning at verse 1. Look at how um, contrary this would be to those individuals that, that Jesus is speaking to. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes so that it will be, that it will be even more fruitful. Now, what would this mean to one who considers himself as God's people by an inheritance? That he inherits, he inherits his faith. And Jesus is telling them, I'm the vine, you're the branch. No, 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 no. Abraham is the, is, is the vine, and we're descendants of Abraham. Well, Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying he's the vine, and all who believe in him are the ones who are grafted into God. And he goes on, verse 3, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Well, in the, in the Old Testament, no, do we have the right sacrifice for the cleansing of sin? So you see what we mean here? And then verse 4, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You know, what does that have to do with inheritance? What does that have to do with my father and my father's father and my grandfather? And, the, you know, we can go all the way back to Abraham and to, you know, our, our descendants of, of the promise given to Abraham. What does this vine have to do with that? <laughs> so, verse 5, I am the vine, not Abraham. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. You see the connection going on here? That we are connected to Christ. Jesus is saying that you are to be connected to me. What's the title? Why would he call us a friend? Well, he would call us a friend because we are connected. And that we remain. Notice that in verse 4, remain in me. <laughs> then it goes on, the second part of verse 4, it must remain in the vine. Uh, verse 5 says, if you remain in me. Verse 6 says, if you do not remain in me. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, do you see the connectedness? He's talking about remaining and being part of, being connected to the vine. And this is my Father's glory, that you be connected to me and that you bear much fruit. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now <laughs> remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. <laughs> Jesus is talking about the life of the vine flowing into the, into the branch. Remaining, connecting, grafted, that you can't do this without being connected. 
Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. If we are connected, the joy that is in Christ becomes the joy that is in the branch. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. That is the fruit that comes at the end of the branch or comes from the branch. Jesus loves us. He dies for us. If you love me, you're going to love your brother, and this is the fruit of of your life. If you are my friends, if you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Notice that he, he outlines what a slave is. A slave says, do what the master says, but he all, and it seemed that that would be what a servant is, but it's more than that. He says, if I have called you friends, we do what we do because we are a friend of God. God is our friend, and so we are following his commands, not because you either do this or, or perish. He's, he's letting us know that if we love him and, and, and acknowledge how much he loves us, we're going to find it within our heart to do what we know is right and pleasing to him. I no longer call you servant, I call you a friend. In verse 16, you did not choose me, I chose you. You see, Jesus is saying, I chose you to love you. Right? I chose you to love on you and to forgive your sins and to establish you in the vine, to establish the connection is between myself and you. And we have to see this connection that we have with God is something that God is based on friendship and love, not upon slavery and, you know, harassment. <laughs> he is basing this on love and how that what is in the vine becomes what is in the branch and so that's why whenever we read the Gospels and we read about what Christ is doing, we're seeing that these things have become part of who we are. It's a natural process for an apple tree to bear, the, for the trunk of an apple tree to bear apples. <laughs> it's just a natural process because that's what an apple tree is. Well, what is a Christian? What is a servant of Christ? We are a natural bearer of fruit. This is my command that you love each other. And it is a command because we are loved by God. And from the love uh, that we have from God, it becomes how we can love others. (laughs) See, we can't do this on our own. You know, you need to love more, okay? Yeah, (laughs) it's like, okay. What does that mean, you know? Well, we recognize the love that God has for us, and then we are expressing that. In John 15, Jesus is teaching his closest friends. He's teaching his closest friends. He's telling them what it means, what it will be to, to be part of the Abrahamic blessing, but what it will mean to be part of the blessing of being connected to Jesus. So it's more than an inheritance. We cannot inherit the the kingdom of God. We must be connected to Christ in order for us to have eternal life. In John 15, he makes himself central to the faith. I am the vine. I am the true vine. 
There is no other but me. Jesus says, no one comes unto the Father but through me. So I am the vine, abide in me and I in you. It's, it's a mutual process that the, the, um, the life that is in the vine is the life that's in the, in the tree, that's in the trunk. The life that is in us is what the life that is in Christ. So who we are, what we're doing is being reflective of what we have received from Christ. So he is the source. Jesus Christ is the source of life for every believer. Through our union with Christ, all the blessings of Israel become ours. So that's how we see the Old Testament promises, how that they carry over into the New Testament because the, the life that is in Christ is still the life of the Old Testament and it is the life of the New Testament, the New Covenant. And this New Covenant of obedience is different than that of the old. It is not a subservient uh, relationship. It is not one of uh, a a subservient obedience, but of, of friendship obedience. I do this because of our friendship. And those who are Jesus' friend obey his commands. So what does this verse mean? So the verse is far more than Jesus calling his disciple friends. Okay? We would say, okay, friends, it's more than, it's more, it's that and more. The whole of John 15 is filled with the salvation historical meaning. (laughs) To see this, we must explore what it meant to be a friend of God as well as a servant of God. Verse 14 says, you are my friend if you do what I command you. And I no longer call you servant, verse 15. Because a servant does not know his master's business. What is the business? What is the, the character of God? And what is it? It's about salvation. It's about changing us so that we can become what, it was, <laughs> what we were supposed to be from the very beginning. Adam and Eve in the garden. God had a relationship with them. Came down in the cool of the day. They were friends with God. Moses is considered a friend of God. Abraham was considered a friend of God. So this closeness of the relationship establishes the friendship. So when the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That's uh, chapter Exodus 33:11. And then the other is Abraham. Um, and we find it picks up in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 7 and Isaiah chapter 41 verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. So we find that this relationship that Abraham and Moses had, this was in the old covenant, and they found this relationship of walking with Jesus and hearing his voice and talking with God, and they are designated as friends of God. Isaiah 41, God through the prophet Isaiah is reassuring his people that he is the one governing history. You see, in Isaiah 41, 5, it says, The islands have seen it and fear. The ends of the earth tremble. They approach and come forward. What's going on here is King Cyrus uh, of of the Persians has conquered Babylon, And um, his raids, his conquests, 
have brought fears upon the islands and upon the distant, uh, upon other countries. And so they, they have seen fear. The ends of the earth are trembling. They approach and come forward. The ends of the earth as the distant nations are all afraid that Cyrus is coming and he's able to kill, if he's able to take on the Babylonian empire and destroy it, that we don't have, we don't have a prayer. So, you know, the prophet Isaiah is saying that they're trembling, they're afraid, and so what do they do in their fear? <laughs> verse verse uh, 7. The metal worker encourages the goldsmith. Now, what he's talking about here is these are people who are making their eyes. So they're afraid that Cyrus is going to come and destroy them. So what do they do? They hurry up and start making a god. <laughs> Let's make a God that will protect us. So the metal worker encourages the goldsmith, or the metal worker could be the carpenter. The carpenter encourages the goldsmith. And the one who is smooth with the hammer, the guy who's beating the gold, the sheets of gold into an image, they encourage each other. They spur on the one who strikes the anvil. You know, they're, they're encouraging each other and making, their, and making their gods. And then it goes on. One says of the welding, the, the fusing of the gold together, it is good. And then what does the other one do? The other one nails the god down, nails the idol down so it does not topple over. <laughs> so they are afraid of, of Cyrus. And Isaiah is telling them, this is what people do who have no god, the god of Israel. These are, these are they're frightened by Cyrus, and, and, and rather than coming to God, they're going to build their own idol. Hurry up, let's make an, let's make an idol so we can pray to it. <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of foolish, isn't it? Well, sometimes, well, in our, in our world, I, I think sometimes people will hurry up, let's make some type of a God that will make us, that will rescue us. Let's come up with a, with a plan or a resource that will put our, our, our country or our, our community at ease. <laughs> Let's hurry up and make something. Well, in those days, they made a God. And guess what? <laughs> it didn't work. They're propping up each other in their non-existent God. <laughs> and, and then their non-existent God, they create ways to make this non-existent God happy. <laughs> it just doesn't end. And if, if, they, if they lose and things go really bad, then they start making more, more significant sacrifices. They start sacrificing their children. <laughs> I mean, it's like, how far do you go with this? Well, if you believe in your homemade God, you know, you, you, what do we have to do to make him happy? So in their imagination, they just went on and on. So the relationship is not one where God is dependent upon Israel, it's that Israel is dependent upon God. And the promises of God, it is not that God depends on us. We are the one who is dependent upon God. So when God calls us a friend, it's not because he depends on us. <laughs> so we think, you think of it in the context that I'm a friend of God, so what does he want me to do to make him happy? <laughs> no. God is saying, I have done all of this for you. I am your friend. And I am a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I am a friend that will never leave you nor forsake you. What a friend we have in Jesus. That's as close as I come to singing. <laughs> just, just worrying, don't worry. <laughs> Terry already shut it off. 
<laughs> Didn't let that go out over the air, did you, Terry? <laughs> so in Isaiah 41.10, going on down from that verses that we read, and because of, of this, God says, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So the idol workers are trying to make a good idol so that we can believe in it and, you know, make it, you know, a, calf, a golden calf or whatever they made in those days. They can make anything. And, and, and then God is saying, I will strengthen you. The friend, God, our friend, says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So notice the difference between people who are making idols and trying to encourage themselves in their idols or between trying to encourage ourselves in the word of God. And it is often likened to the relationship between Jonathan and David. Uh, in, in, the, in that relationship, and I'm not going to read it, it's in 1 Samuel, but it talks about how that Jonathan and David, Jonathan saw something so very special in David that he dedicated himself to uh, the well-being of David. You know, Jonathan should be the next king, but he knows deep in his heart he's not going to be because his friend David is the next king, and he doesn't stand between David and the throne. And uh, Jonathan's father, King Saul, he tries to kill David, and Jonathan intercedes for David to let him know Father's try, my, my dad's trying to kill you. You need to go hide. Well, the intimate aspect of being a friend of God means that he has dedicated himself to securing your redemption. He himself has secured your salvation. He is our friend who has done everything to secure us in our relationship with him and our security for eternity. When Jesus tells his disciples that they are his friend, he doesn't mean those who, who, sits, who sits down and eat tacos with him on a Monday night football, you know. He's talking about how that he has set us together uh, as, as a friend of God. So what does it mean in the context then of being a servant? If it's more than a servant, well, what is a servant? In the fact that this was one of the favorite words of Paul, that he has called himself a servant of, of Jesus Christ. He says, John 13, 16 says, Verily I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. We are not greater than Christ. Being a servant is different than being a slave. That a slave has to obey or else... A servant is willing to obey. There was a, there was a, a, a um, what they called a bond servant. That a bond servant was not just someone who was bought, but it was someone who was set free and yet took the mark of their owner to say, I will serve you only. <laughs> I am not going to be free of slavery. I know that I am free and could walk away, but I have chosen to serve the, you and serve this family. And so we, we look at this, that Jesus is letting us know that he has chosen to serve us. And whenever we decide to serve him, it is a willingness as a friend serving a friend. 
When he says, I no longer call you servant, he is speaking about the change of relationship. This is a relationship to what we see in the new covenant. This new agreement that we have in Jesus Christ. So, it's real meaning. (laughs) We put these things together and see what Jesus is saying is that the disciple related to God not in relates to God not in excessive fear but in friendship we relate to God as a friend his friendship to us we're not we're not putting the parameters of what our what we consider friendship to be we are considering the parameters God has established as a friend to us and then we respond to that friendship by understanding what that what he is speaking to us He's not our slave. God is not our slave. By faith I command. (laughs) That's nice. You can command all you want. But what God has spoken to us as a friendship, from that place, from that relationship, we're able to pray. From that relationship, we're able to understand the scriptures. From that relationship of what God is trying to do in our life, it's not about obey me or else. It's about understanding this is the path of life. This is, this is the greater of, of direction that I can take because God is walking with me. Whenever he says a servant does not know what the master is doing, he is saying that we know what the master is doing. He has a purpose, he has a plan, and we trust that purpose. In times past, God's covenant people were not informed of God's saving plan. But now, according to the Jesus disciple, all of this is connected to Jesus teaching us that he is the vine, we are the branch. We are not slaves, we're the branch. And the branch is connected to the vine, and the vine is the source of life. So in Christ, in the word made flesh and dwelt among us, in his word we have the the power of the life of the tree, the life of the spirit, the word of God flowing into our hearts and minds, and then, this, and, the, and then we find that there is a fruit that comes from this. And the fruit that we show as his friend is love one another as I have loved you. Forgive as you have been forgiven. We find that the relationship that we have with other people and that we have with ourselves is reflective of God's relationship with us. See, if we don't have a relationship with God, how is it that we can reflect it? That's why some people say, well, if, I, you know, if I'm a Christian like them, I don't want to be a Christian. Well, they're not really reflective of the relationship that they have with God. They somehow got disconnected. They call themselves a branch, but there's no life in the branch. The life of the Spirit is the life that helps us reproduce what Jesus Christ is. That's why we study the Gospels. That's why we read them. That's why we have the studies on them. So, if we are looking for something to do, it's not there. There's no imperatives. John 15, 15, the verse we started with. I no longer call your servant because the servant does not know his master's business. We know what Christ is about. We know, he tells us what he is about. He tells us his plans. He tells us his purpose. 
Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus has set aside his divinity, take on humanity. He is receiving from the Father that which he needs to speak. So in our, in our relationship with Christ, we are receiving from Christ the attitude that we are to be. We are the, the recipients of the friendship of Christ and all the blessings which he bestows. All of the blessings and the promises that God wants to bestow upon us, they're all ours. The one thing that he calls for us to do is to have faith. Faith is an acceptance and a trust that he will do this in our life. Uh, as we look at the surrounding verses of, of, of verse 15, verse 16 is, I think, a very important one. You didn't choose me. <laughs> Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Think about that for a moment. I chose you to love on you. I chose you to forgive. I chose you to make myself known to. Now, lest we start thinking, oh, well, I'm, I'm very special. Well, you are special. Remember, God had a refrigerator. Your picture would be on it. <laughs> so, but every one of us, God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. So God has chosen everyone to make it to heaven. But some people have decided they don't want it. So the challenge is for us to see the purpose of being a friend of God. I'm not telling him I'm his friend. He's telling me he's my friend. So as we look at these surrounding verses, you did not choose me, I chose you. Appointed you. I appointed you that your connection to me will bear fruit. Your connection to me is going to be valuable for you. See, God isn't dependent on us, we're dependent on God. And as we do what, and we allow ourselves to be connected to the fruit, you know, it's a natural thing for a tree to, an apple tree to produce apples. You know, you don't have to go do something special. You just wait till the fall of the year, you know, in the spring of the year. If it doesn't get frosted out, it will bear apples in the fall. We remain in Christ, and as we do this, we find that we are motivated to love one another. We're motivated to forgive. This is not Jesus' main concern. It is his encouragement. It is a reminder that he is the life source. Not only my friend, but he is the giver of life. I am the resurrection of the life. He is the one where love originates. He is the fountain from which this new relationship, this new covenant flows. Jesus is absolutely dedicated to those who are his friends. Verse 15, I no longer call you a servant. He is dedicated to his friends, his children. I no longer call you a servant because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. There is a revelation of God's word that continues to unfold in our life. So he dedicates himself to us. 
And we find that he is dedicated to those he has called and those for whom he has laid his life down. I did, you did not choose me. I died for you. <laughs> I chose you and appointed you. Jesus calls you his friend. <laughs> you know, name droppers like to say, you know, I'm a friend of so-and-so. I'm a friend of so-and-so. Aren't you proud of me? You know, and Jesus is saying, I'm your friend. And we're saying, wow, I'm proud of Jesus. <laughs> He's proud of us. He's called us his friend. And we find that he means one who is dedicated to bring you eternal life. Jesus calls you friend because he is dedicated to you to bring you to eternal life. That's a friend. <laughs> what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen? What a friend we have in Jesus. He is dedicated to you. He has come, he has died for us that our sins would be forgiven. He has brought us eternal life and then he's teaching us through the Gospels and in this, um, these, this, John, in this text of John 15. I, I want to I re just re reiterate something here of, of the text. If I can find the right page. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine. But in verse 4, he says, remain in me. It must remain in the vine. If you remain in me, if you do not remain in me, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, now remain in my love, verse 9. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. All of this is talking about connectedness. Remain, stay close. Don't let anything cut you off. <laughs> Don't let anything come between you and me, between you and God. Remain, stay connected, be grounded in who I am, and then you will find you are my friends if you do what I command. I find myself doing what God wants me to do because it's just our friendship has influenced me. His friendship with us has influenced us to be like him. You know, there was a saying that we are the sum of our five closest friends. Jesus is telling us, you are the sum of your friendship, of your recognition of my friendship with you. He is my friend. I am proud to call him my friend. But the, the concluding statement will be, is Jesus proud to call me his friend? And at the end of time, when we stand at the judgment seat, he will say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful friend. Enter into the joy of the Lord, heaven, because you're his friend. Thank you, Jesus, for considering us to be such a person worthy of your word that calls us your friend. We thank you for this understanding, this revelation of thought that you are our friend and that you have sought always to be this to us, our friend. Help us, Lord, to recognize that friendship, to value that friendship, and to know that you value it more than your, even your life. We thank you for dying for our sin, but rising from the dead. 
We are victorious through our friend, Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless you.